welcome back to the crime corner i am your host homasa bringing you the crime and crime stories that i believe are of interest thank you so much for hitting play and it feels good to be back on the crime corner bringing you the crime this is a new episode i'll be bringing you i want to say probably like four different stories today uh i hope you're ready let's get this started okay i'm gonna start today with two um new stories that are very close to home these are from here from chicago fresh off the oven i hate to say this but these are fresh crimes that just uh happened i want to say last night so from fox 32 reports two stabbed including a pregnant woman while waiting for rideshare in loop just the title itself leaves me What is going on in this world? I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that again. Two stabbed, including a pregnant woman, while waiting for rideshare in loop. That is so sad. Uh, the Chicago Sun Times Media Wire reports two people were stabbed after a fight Saturday in the loop near Millennium Park. About 11.25 p.m., a group of six people was waiting for a rideshare vehicle on a sidewalk at the first block of East Washington Street, Chicago police said. A male and female pulled up in an unknown vehicle and offered the group a ride. An argument broke out and the two people in the unknown vehicle got out and were involved in a physical altercation, police said. The male pulled out a knife and stabbed a woman. The male pulled out a knife and stabbed a woman. That is not a male. That is not a man, first of all. Punk ass bitch. The male pulled out a knife and stabbed a woman 27 and a 26-year-old man in the abdomen. The woman, who was three months pregnant, was taken to a Northwestern Memorial Hospital in critical condition. Police and the Chicago Fire Department said. The man was taken to the same hospital in serious condition as well. The male and female in the unknown vehicle drove off east on Washington, police said. No arrests have been reported. Area Central detectives are investigating. Wow. To stab a pregnant woman. They must... They must have something. Some beef has been... Has been boiling. Yeah something happened like you just don't get off a car and stab a random person first of all and then pregnant second of all so there has to be more to the story that was to stab including a pregnant woman while waiting for rideshare in the loop here in chicago wow and we're going to continue with some more Stories. This is not crime, but death. TMZ is reporting uh, Disney star Cameron Boyce death dead at twenty. 
Disney Channel star Cameron Boyce died Saturday in his sleep. The 20-year-old actor who uh, starred in several Disney shows, including Descendants, could not be revived after paramedics rushed to his home. This according to law enforcement sources. Cameron's family said he had an, an ongoing medical condition and died in his sleep, the result of a seizure. Cameron uh, started in both Descendant, uh, Descendants TV series and movies. He was filming a new HBO show, Mrs. Fletcher. Although he was only 20, Cameron racked up a series of hits appearing in Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. He played one of Adam Sandler's kids. This is so sad. The actor was only 11 when he first appeared on Disney Channel. Other credits include uh, Shake It Up, Austin and Alley, and Good Luck Charlie. His breakout role was playing Luke on Jesse, which ran for four seasons. This is so sad. Um, I'm sorry. It's just so sad knowing that he's so young. Uh, I wasn't a fan. But uh, I would see him here and there, you know, appearing on TV. Um, but yeah, this is so sad. Um, the family said he passed away in his sleep due to a seizure, which was a result of an ongoing medical condition for which he was being treated. The world is now undoubtedly without one of its brightest lights, but his spirits will live on through the kindness and compassion of all who knew and loved him. The family spokesperson went on, we are, we are utterly heartbroken and ask for privacy during this immensely difficult time as we grieve the loss of our precious son and brother. That is so sad. Rest in peace, Cameron Boyce. And we continue. This next, uh, this next story that I'm about to bring you uh, is a case about a missing child uh, Ariana Fitz from Oakland, California, uh, missing February of 2016. Uh, she was born September 6, 2013, on California. She has a hair, black, brown eyes. At the time of disappearance, she was a height of two feet. She weighed at the time 45 pounds. She is a female black American. Ariana Fitz was reported missing from the San Francisco, California era on April 5th, 2016. She was last seen in Oakland, California in February of 2016. On April 8th, 2016, Ariana's mother, Nicole Fitz, was found murdered and buried in a park in San Francisco. It is believed that Ariana was not with uh, her mother when she was killed. If you have any information concerning this person, please contact your local FBI office or your nearest American embassy or consulate. So, we're going to look into the case of Ariana Fitz. So, Ariana Fitz uh, was a two-year-old. And her mother, Nicole Fitz, a 32-year-old, were reported missing on April 5th, 2016 in San Francisco, California. However, uh, Nicole Fitz was last seen on April 1st, 2016. And Ariana had not been seen since mid-February 2016. Ariana Fitz is still missing while her mother's body was discovered buried 
in McLaren Park on April 8th. We'll give you a little background story about the family. Family members of the Fitz alerted San Francisco police on April 5th, 2016 that Nicole and Ariana Fitz were missing and Nicole Fitz was last seen on April 1st. She was believed to have traveled from her job at a Best Buy store on Harrison Street via a municipal railway vehicle on the 3rd Street corridor around 9.45 p.m. wearing a blue Best Buy shirt. Her daughter Ariana was last seen in late February in Oaklawn, California. On April 8th, a gardener in John McLaren Park discovered a large piece of wood resting behind a clump of ivy-covered bushes with an odd silver character painted on it. Underneath the wood, the body of Nicole Fitz was discovered in a fetal position in an uncovered but previously covered by the wood shallow grave. After her body was discovered, police focused their attention on the individuals who watched Ariana while her mother commuted two hours to go to work. Efforts are going, efforts are ongoing to locate the missing toddler. The police investigated home of Emeryville, Oakland, in Daly City, California, and cited that those who had last seen Fitz were uncooperative with the initial interview process. Police identified three people of interest at a press conference who were named as Helena and Devin Martin and Ciolo Hearn. The sisters of Nicole Fitz told media outlets that they still believe that Ariana is alive, and one told reporters that she believes someone wanted Ariana as their own. The family created a website to highlight the search and offered a $10,000 reward to anyone with information that may help them locate Ariana. Best Buy also offered a $10,000 reward for direct information regarding Ariana. Little Ariana is still missing. Uh, the FBI website also has her um, her missing flyer. It has her picture of her smiling little angel. God bless her heart. I hope she is found and that she is returned because they are waiting for her. Also, rest in peace, her mother, who they found in the park. God knows what she had to go through. So I hope they find Ariana Fitz. Bring her home. Um, like I said, with any if you have any information, submit a tip concerning this person. Please contact your local FBI or nearest American embassy or consulate. Wow. And we've come to the last case of the day. I'm bringing you the story of Kyrone Richard Horman, a missing uh, child, uh, missing since June 4th, 2010, from Portland, Oregon. Kyrone was last seen wearing a black t-shirt with letters CSI in a green and handprint graphic on it, black cargo pants, white socks, and a black Skechers sneakers with orange trim. He wears metal frame glasses. Chiron Richards Horman was, has been missing from Skyline Elementary School in Portland, Oregon. Uh, 
since June 4, 2010. He was last seen that morning after attending a science fair at the school. And here are more details. Kyrone Richard Richard Horman uh, disappeared June 4, 2010. Is an American boy went missing from Skyline Elementary School in Portland, Oregon after attending a science fair. Local and state police, along with the FBI, conducted an exhaustive search for Horman and launched a criminal investigation, but have not uncovered any significant information regarding the child's whereabouts. His disappearance sparked the large criminal investigation in Oregon history. As of 2019, his whereabouts remain unknown. Kyron Richards was born on September 9th in Portland, Oregon to Desiree Young and Kane Horman, an engineer for Intel. Desiree and Kane Horman divorced eight months into her pregnancy with Kyron. With Desiree citing ir- irreconcilable differences, the two had shared custody of Kyron until 2004. When Desiree was diagnosed with kidney failure, which required ex- extensive medical intervention, during which Kane took over full custody. Desiree, however, remained active in Chiron's upbringing. In 2007, Kane married Terry Moulton, a substitute teacher originally from Rosenberg. Kane became romantically involved with Terry around 2001 while he and Desiree were divorcing. Kane and Terry married in 2007 while in Kaui. In December 2008, Terry gave birth to a daughter, Kiara. Meanwhile, Chiron was a student at Skyline Elementary School near Forest Park. On June 4, 2010, Chiron was brought to school by his stepmother, Terry, who then stayed with him while he attended a science fair. Terry stated that she left school at around 8.45 a.m. and remembered seeing Chiron walking down the hall to his first class. However, he was never seen in his first math class. Instead, he was marked absent that day. Terry's statement to the police indicated that after leaving the school at 8.45 a.m., she ran errands at two Fred Meyer's grocery stores until about 10.10 a.m. Between then and 11.39 a.m., Terry stated that she drove her daughter around town in an attempt to use the motion of the vehicle to soothe the toddler's Eric. Terry went to a local gym and worked out until about 12.40 p.m. By 1.21 p.m., she had arrived home and posted photos of Chiron and the science fair on Facebook. At 3.30 p.m., Terry, her husband Kane, Kane Horman, and their daughter Kiara walked to the bus stop to meet Chiron, but the bus driver informed them that Chiron had not boarded the bus after school and was asked to call the school and ask where he, had, where he was. She was informed by the school secretary that Chiron hadn't been in school since early that day and had been marked absent. Realizing the boy was missing, the secretary then called 911. 
search efforts for Cairo were extensive and primary focus on a two-mile radius around Skyline Elementary School, as well as a uh, South Island approximately six miles away. Law enforcement did not disclose their reasons for searching the location, which, which included a search of the Save Island Bridge. On June 9, 2010, the Horman family, who had refused to speak with the media, initially released a statement to the press. Chiron's family would like to thank people for supporting and interest in finding their son. The outpouring of support and continued effort strengthens their hope. We need, to, we need for folks to continue to assist us in our goal. Please search your properties, cars, outbuildings, sheds, etc. Also, check with neighbors and friends who may be on vacation or may need an assistance in searching. There are a lot of resources here to help you search, so please don't stop. It is obviously a difficult time and they want to speak to the public so you can hear it from Chiron's family as they come together to share their message. Their objective is to keep the focus on Chiron and not about anything else. On June 12, around 300 trained rescues were on the ground searching wooded areas near Skyland Elementary. The search for Chiron, which spanned over 10 days, was the largest in Oregon history and included over 1,300 searchers from Oregon, Washington, and California. A reward posted for information leading to the discovery of Chiron, which initially 25,000 expanded to 50,000 in late July 2010. In late June 2010, in the midst of the investigation into Chiron's disappearance, Kane Horman was support was purposely told by investigators that Terry had offered their landscapers, Rodolfo Sanchez, a lot of money to kill him. Sanchez testified in a in a deposition that Terry approached him to help kill her husband in January 2010, five months before Chiron's disappearance. But when Terry's attorney, Stephen House, asked if Terry asked him to kill her, to kill her husband, he said no. It was later learned that the DA told Sanchez his family would be deported if he didn't participate in a sting and testimony. Investigators convinced Sanchez to confront Terry while wearing a wire. But they were unable... Sorry about that. They were unable to obtain any evidence and could not make an arrest. On June 28, Kane filed for divorce and obtained a restraining order against Terry. The, the divorce was granted and Terry was eventually granted supervised visitation with her daughter. Yeah, she's not going to kill her because she is her daughter. Okay, during this time, Terry failed two separate poly polygraph examinations regarding Chiron's disappearance. In August 2010, it was announced that law enforcement were searching for an individual allegedly seen by two witnesses sitting inside Terry's truck outside of a Skyline Elementary the day of Chiron's disappearance. Bruce McCain, a former sheriff for the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office 
told CBS News the identity of that second person, if he or she existed, could be critical in determining what happened to Chiron after 9 a.m. on June 4th. Meanwhile, uh, in July 2010, a Multnomah County grand jury subpoenaed several friends of Terry Horman, including Dee Spitcher, whom Young and Kane Horman describe as having been in close communication with Terry and providing Terry with support and advice that is not in the best interest of our son. According to law enforcement, Spitcher was extremely cooperative and allowed a search of her property and car, as well as enduring three hours worth of questioning from the from detectives. On the day of Chiron's disappearance, if I thought for a second that she was able of foul play, I would not have been there. She would not have been my friend in the first place. In early August 2010, both Young and Kane were subpoenaed and testified during the grand jury as well as the school principal of Skyline Elementary. Skyline Elementary. In December 2010, it was reported by the Oregonian that the grand jury had yet to provide compelling evidence yielding a potential indictment. By November 29, 2010, search efforts in Chiron's case had cost an estimate of 1.4 million, according to the county commissioner, and yield 4,257 chips. So there's Terry Horman. On June 1st, 2012, Chiron's mother, Desiree Young, filed a civil lawsuit against Terry, claiming that she was responsible for the disappearance of Chiron. The lawsuit attempted to prove that Terry had kidnapped Chiron on the day he disappeared. Young sought $10 million in damages from Horman. On August 15, 2012, a federal court judge denied a motion by Terry to delay the lawsuit. In early October 2012, Spitcher refused to answer 142 question, questions during a deposition regarding Young's lawsuit. During testimony provided by Kane Orman in separate hearing the same year, he stated that police had told him they have more probable cause to think Terry Horman was involved in Chiron's disappearance than they did two years ago. On July 30th, uh, 2013, it was announced that Young had dropped the lawsuit against Terry so as not to interfere with the ongoing investigation. Terry Horman appeared as a guest on Dr. Phil in 2016, during which she told Phil McCraw, Dr. Phil, I was advised from the beginning by law enforcement, by my husband at the time, by attorneys in the beginning, not to say anything. I've always wanted to. I've asked multiple times to speak out and have not been allowed. She denied having any involvement in Chiron's disappearance and also stated her belief that he was kidnapped, adding, there was a man in a white pickup truck, Ford, parked on Highway 30 at the 7-Eleven near the school. He was acting very strange, and he was addressed by one of the employees because he had been pacing back and forth in front of the 7-Eleven for about an hour. In May 2017, it was reported by KGW that a secret grand jury planned 
continued to hear evidence on Chiron's disappearance and had con convened on multiple occasions. During the report, Chiron's case was described as still active and ongoing. Two months later, in July 2017, law enforcement conducted further searches along Skyline Boulevard, but the searches yielded no results. In June 2018, Horman's mother, Desiree, posted on the official Find Chiron's Horman Facebook page, Stay tuned. Something big is coming. I promise you. So that was the story of Chiron Richard Horman, who is still missing to this day. Um, so, yeah, missing since June 4, 2010. He just vanished, according to the people that he was with. He was dropped off at the school. And then he just vanished. Spitcher abruptly left her work gardening for a homeowner at the residence on Germantown Road in Northwest Portland. Around 11.30 a.m. and returned around 90 minutes later. She also allegedly helped Terry purchase an untraceable cell phone. During this time, Spitcher told journalists, there's this horror that my friend is going through. And there we have it. We've come to the conclusion of this podcast. This was Crime Corner. I am Homasa, bringing you the crime. But remember, be safe, lock your doors. And don't forget to look both ways before crossing the street. This was Crime Corner. Be safe, guys.